Welcome to Real Estate Business Explained. On this show, we share insights to what it really looks like to build a real estate business from the inside, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm Sean, and as a coach and trainer, over the past 15 years, I've seen it all, and I wanna share what I've learned with you. So whether you're just getting started or you've already got a lot going on and you're just looking for something new, I'm confident there's gonna be something here for you. Let's get into it. Hey, welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Sean Provence, and today I wanted to unpack a question that I get asked a lot when I tell people what I do. When people ask me what I do, I'll, I'll often answer that I'm in the business of coaching and training real estate professionals. And so the question that naturally comes is, well, Sean, what's the difference between coaching and training? And I thought it would be useful to kind of unpack what the difference is and share some thoughts and perspective on how you might be able to figure out which one you actually need at any given time. So what's the difference between coaching and training? Well, easy way to start is on the training side. It's to think that training tends to be more prescriptive. I'm gonna say, do this, then do this, then do this. I'm gonna be, uh, I'm gonna say, don't do this, do this. Don't do this, do this. I'm gonna be giving you directives. I'm going to be telling you exactly what to do. Think of it as something that's often going to be more topic-based. It's going to have a linear time frame. We're going to start, we're going to run for a certain amount of time, we're going to end. It might be over the course of several weeks. It might be we're sitting down, we're spending a whole day together. Um, and it typically isn't going to involve, involve me debating or questioning or uh, working back and forth to complete a thought. It's going to be me more saying, Actually, this is the best way to do it because we've tested it, we've checked it out. This is the system, follow the system and you will get such and such a result. So that's that's generally gonna be training. And training is amazingly powerful. Coaching, on the other hand, tends to be more involving self-discovery. So where training is gonna be telling a lot, coaching is often gonna be asking more questions. It's a more intimate conversation, most often delivered in a one-on-one, but it can be done in group settings as well. And the idea is that it's going to help you unpack challenges. It's going to help you unpack your goals and set plans. And coaching is going to be very tailored to exactly what it is that you're working through specifically. So training is, here's the system and coaching is, here's the challenge. Here's the goal. Here's the idea. How do we make it work? Okay. Um, Coaching for that reason tends to be really fluid. Okay, coaching tends to be really fluid. We, we might start out a conversation or a, 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 of a day or a quarter or, or a year. We might start out over here. And we realize over time that we're actually taking it over here. And that's actually part of the magic of it. It's an ever evolving thing. Whereas training has predetermined start and ends. Coaching, because of the, the small group or more, more often one-on-one accountability, uh, the one-on-one aspect, it often involves accountability. It usually does. So there's there's going to be that person who knows your strengths, knows your weaknesses. They know where you often will uh, let yourself come up short of your, your commitments. And they know to watch for it. And they're holding you accountable to your goals. Whereas in training, it's very rare that it can provide effective um effective accountability they might have i've seen a lot of instances where training has an accountability measure to it there might you're putting stickers on the board or you're working the countdown but it's not going to be the same level and it's not going to have that same level of intimacy just because it's not something that you can really deliver in that kind of environment so you're you're building your business you're established in your business or you're you're at the top of your game you're doing great how do you know 
Which one's right for you? How do you know what you need? Well, the answer is that both of them are great and it really depends on what it is that you're trying to fix. So um, some questions to ask yourself if you're trying to figure out whether you should pursue training or get into coaching, the first question you should ask yourself is what your experience level looks like. So real estate's a great example of this because when you get into real estate, you've got usually very little experience in sales, okay? And I know it's weird, you'd think more salespeople would get into real estate. Uh, it, it's a very unique role in sales that a lot of people who get into it have zero sales experience. It's they're a blank canvas. And you might think that it's similar to other sales roles, but it's actually really different in that typically in sales, if you go and sell something, you have no responsibility for fulfillment. So if you're selling software or you're selling, you know, vacuums or pest treatments, whatever the thing is that you're selling, typically salespeople, if they're hired for an organization, they come in, they complete the sale, they submit the contract and the work gets done. Whereas with real estate, that's really only the very beginning of our job. We, we sell the thing, but then we also have to carry the contract through and actually get it to close. That's a huge amount of extra effort. So in real estate, it's a complex sales job. It's got a much longer life. It's very high competition. Like there's a lot of competition out there because you could make really good money. And on top of it, you've got to learn to run a business, right? You've got to go out and make sure your finance and your, your numbers and your goal setting is in place. You got to figure out your lead pillars. You got to organize your time. There's no one doing all this for you. Um, even if you join a team, there's still a lot of stuff that needs to be plugged in on your behalf and you're going to have to contribute to. And then in addition to this, you got to keep your clients happy and close enough deals to keep the lights on. So there's a reason that real estate has such a high failure rate is because it's got so many moving parts. There's so many aspects to what you've got to figure out in order just to get your business moving. So if you're in the beginning of your career, you should look for training. It's more prescriptive. It's going to give you the tried, tested and true. Don't go in and necessarily hire a personal coach right away. The training is going to help you get the foundational stuff in place. And then from there, once you've got that, the coach is the one who comes in, does that self-discovery, does that experimentation, the creativity helps you avoid any mix-ups or complications that you might have run into. And really just kind of helps you level up again and again and again. So the other advantage to starting with training is that it's typically more affordable. You can have, you can have access to a really high level trainer for a fraction of the cost of a coach because you're only a fraction of the, the audience. With coaches, typically it's small group or it's one-on-one -on -one more often. So you gotta pay the entire bill of whatever that person's hourly value is. Whereas if you have a trainer with 200 people in the room or a thousand people in the room, you can get the same value in terms of the person that you're surrounding yourself with, but you're able to share it out between a much larger group, okay? Another thing to consider if you're considering coaching or training is the challenges that you have ahead of you. These challenges could be something that are um, common, right? If you're, if you're starting up a real estate business and you're trying to figure out how to host a great open house, well, there's a lot of great training on open houses. Why you go and solve the problems that you have or, or the thing that you're trying to implement, go get it up to a high level first just with what is plug and play 
Again, affordability, time, convenience, you're gonna get a lot of information really quickly just by plugging in, but if your challenge is something personal, it's in how to juggle a few things that you have going on in your life. It might have to do with your personal, personal accountability, your availability, your bandwidth, anything like that. I would put some thought into maybe considering a coach. It's really easy to get knocked off of your commitments in this business because even your clients will be a real challenge between you living up to the things that you set out to do in a given day and you actually getting through them. So look at what the challenges are that you have and ask yourself if having personal accountability, uh, that, that kind of mastermind self-discovery conversation where you're asking more questions, or if it's a problem that you can simply solve by just attending some great training, finding the resources that you need, implementing them. And then from there, when you're ready to level up and take it to the next level, maybe that's when you bring in that more personal level of coaching. And then the other thing to think about is whether you need to have um, or, or what I should say, what you need to have in place to grow the way that you want to grow. So in real estate, fairly quickly, if you work hard and you go to a lot of training, you actually implement the things that you learn fairly quickly, you're going to hit your personal bandwidth. For me, I always find that people tend to hit bandwidth at around half a million dollars in gross commission income. So that will be a different amount of transactions in different locations, but typically higher priced locations tend to be more competitive. So it's about the same amount of work. You can get past this. I know many people who do in surplus of double this, but their lives suck. So if you want to work an average number of hours and you want to, you know, earn more than that amount in terms of gross income, you're going to have to bring leverage into your world. So one of the classic areas that people struggle in real estate, is in leadership. So when you're looking at your growth, you might not be at that point right now, but you might look at where you are right now and you'd say, hey, shoot, you know, this year I'm on track to hit my goals. Next year, if I hit my goals this year, I'm gonna wanna do blank. And in order for me to do blank, I'm gonna need help. That's leadership. If you're gonna bring other people into your world, even if it's just an administrator, like an executive assistant, it could be a really simple role if you have anyone who reports to you, you are now in a leadership position and that is a completely new skill set. People think because they're good at sales that they're naturally going to be good at leadership and that is the stupidest assumption that causes so many real estate agents to have a ton of, of just heartache in the way that their business responds and it affects their lives. And this is something that not only affects your life, but it affects their life too. If you bring someone in and you don't know how to set clear uh, uh, expectations and you're not there and you don't have a consistent hand in how you, you lead them and hold them accountable and train them and support them, you're hurting them as well. But even worse, it's, it's bandwidth out of your schedule that otherwise could have been used for production. So we always see people get into to real estate leadership assuming that they're naturally going to be good at it because they got some sales awards and they fumble really bad. Okay. So going back to it, my point is, think about who you are now, but also who you need to be a few years from now. And start taking courses early. Find a coach who's going to be able to serve you in what you're doing right now, and will also be where you're going. Find that person who has the experience of getting through the problem that you're in and the problems two or three steps ahead of you. Okay. Um, so your needs are going to shift. 
through your experience in coaching. And, and I would always look at least a few years ahead. And then also seek diversity in the messaging that you bring in. So if, if, you're, if, if you've got a coach that you really like, okay, that's a good thing. If you have a trainer that you really like, that's a good thing. But don't just go back to that one source. I actually, and I run a coaching company, I recommend changing coaches every, you know, one and a half to three years. And I actually, we encourage transfers within our clients. If, if the coach that you have got you where you're going, you're really enjoying the experience, but you feel like you're not challenged enough, or you feel like you've got a new opportunity coming up that they don't have the experience that you need to support you, then we recommend go talk to some more of our coaches, go experiment, talk to your coach about it. They'll recommend you to a coach who might be better suited. And same thing with trainers, open yourself up to a world out there and go, go experiment, go search. You're going to find all kinds of amazing things simultaneously. And it, it sounds um, like counteractive almost, but it's not simultaneously. Don't be hesitant to go back to the same course twice. Okay you will be a different person the next time that you go because you're gonna have different challenges you're gonna have new opportunities you will have had different experiences new experiences and so the next time that you go you're gonna be in a different place in your business you're gonna hear things differently and especially if there's a different facilitator pre presenting the materials they're gonna bring all of their experience their anecdotes their stories there's going to be something new. So if there's a, a training session that's really impactful to what it is that you're trying to unpack, to work through, to build, go back again and again. There's nothing wrong with being a slow learner. And then moving forward, the, the, the next blog I write and the next podcast, what I'm really going to be unplugging and unpacking is kind of how to take where you are now and, and build a plan surrounding how to get where you want to go. Okay. And one of the things that I always see people struggling with, and so we're going to do more on that, but one of the things that I always see people struggling with, and I want to, I want to move this conversation towards for the wrap up on this episode is people tend to, to make investments in coaching only on the professional side of their lives. They look at it as a big investment and it is okay. And trust me, you don't want to be coached by someone who can't go make a lot of money doing something else because they shouldn't be coaching you on how to make money. So it, it makes sense that it's expensive. It's a big investment to hire a professional coach, someone who's going to help you better your business and your, your income. But people, because it's a big investment, they tend to shy away from making investments outside of business. And it can lead to a really lopsided experience in life. Now, many of you, um, you might've done this, this, exercise is called the life wheel and various organizations use it. It's a great exercise where you take a circle and you rank all the, the areas in your life. So you'll go through and you'll, you'll shade in the circle up to a certain level on, um, you know, financial wealth building, family relationships, spirituality, uh, family, whatever you get the idea, work-life balance. So you'll shade it. And then what you notice is that because they're shading out to different levels, you'll have some areas that, didn't shade very far and you have other areas that are shaded in really dark and the idea is that the wheel might not really ride very smoothly if you don't work to balance all the areas of your life and this is it's it's accentuated I think frankly a, a bit of it may even be caused by the fact that people only invest in business coaching they, they only discuss 
business with their business coach. I often have, from even my own clients, I'll have people who are almost apologetic when a personal thing comes up because they feel like it's taboo. It's outside of the realms of coaching. And, and one of the things that I'm passionate about making part of the underpinning in my organization and, and the way that I coach people and uh, foundationally our values when, when coaching people in, in the way I select my coaches is that work-life balance is one of our number one priorities and time freedom. Having freedom to enjoy your time outside of your business is one of the most important values we have. So if you only chase business growth, if you only chase financial growth, you're, you're not going to develop a lot of those other areas. And the weird thing, the counterintuitive thing is that your business, the reality is it's only going to grow to the extent that you grow as a person. Your business will only grow to the extent that you do. So if you're only developing one muscle, you're going to be like that person in the gym who's got, you know, massive arms and a pot belly or, or you skip leg day would be a great gym example, right? Like you've got chicken legs and you're all built up top. It, it's, it's not healthy. And so the, the problem too, is that the people who you need to be in business at the level that maybe you want to grow to those people who you need to attract to be in business with you, if they don't see you living a life that they would want to live, they're not going to be attracted to you. You need to grow yourself on all levels to the level of business that will, sorry, you need to grow yourself on all levels to be the person who attracts the level of talent that your business needs to have. You need to develop yourself. You need to elevate everything about yourself. So don't limit it just to business. Okay. I want to share some questions. I think you should ask yourself. So I recommend planning your personal growth in a three year time span. Here's the deal. And I saw this in sales. I see this in coaching. I, I do this in my business planning. I really like the time frame of three years. My experience has been that anything beyond three years conceptually is just hard to grasp because it's so far out that you don't really know what's going to go on. Look at what's happened in the world in the past three years. I'm sure you'd agree that there is a lot of ambiguity as to what actually things will look like more than three years from now. You see a lot of people writing five-year, 10-year plans and it's, it's throwing darts, right? But three years tends to be an amount of time where people can conceptualize what is possible. So what I recommend doing is set big goals for three years. That way, worst case scenario, maybe it takes five years, but you're still getting to a, a really exciting outcome. You're still reaching really big goals. So in growing yourself and your business to what you want it to be three years from now, ask yourself some questions. And the questions, again, they shouldn't just be about business. So ask yourself, how old will you be? And with that, how old will your kids be? How many hours a week do you want to spend working? How many weeks per year do you want to take off? And also included in that work time and that time off, what other projects do you want to work on? Surely it's not just going to be one business and one focus for your entire life. So what are the other things that you're going to want to spend your time focused on? And remember, this isn't just business. You might want to learn to play the piano. You might want to get better at gardening. I don't care. It's up to you. It's your life. You can't live your whole life just chasing one endless hamster wheel pursuit. Find the things that you're passionate about. Have a plan that you're going to develop yourself to be those things. And once you have that idea of what you want your life to look like in three years, 
start to ask yourself those business questions. Um, what aspect of your current business do you want to be focused on? Uh, what role do you want to occupy? Uh, what are your income goals? What other incomes do you want to have coming in to your business? Um, what else is driving your personal wealth? Start to ask yourself more questions about what you want your business side of your life to look like and then take that and reverse engineer it to figure out who you need to become, right? You might get to two, three years from now and want to spend more time gardening or, or swimming or whatever it is that you love to do. And it might be something really quick that you could just pick up. But if you want to become an outstanding piano player, chances are you need to start right now. Because if you start in three years, no matter how hard you go, you're still going to be a beginner. So start to think about what little pieces you can start to set foundations. Start to think about little accountabilities that you can build into your life, people who you can surround yourself with. And then in the next episode, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start, I'm going to give you some actionable steps you can take to actually put a plan in place of how you're going to pursue all this so that you're not just, you know, waiting and then throwing darts or showing up and, and realizing that you're too late. Why not have a growth plan for yourself with, with a clear step-by-step -step set of things that you need to master or commit time to in the coming years? I'm always so grateful that you listen. I know that this was a quick one. It's just something that I really thought would be valuable to unpack. And I'm looking forward to sharing the next one with you. Thanks, as always, for listening.